drink. This is the man room. Welcome into the Man Room Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Bridges. Thanks for joining us tonight. Make sure to check us out at the website, manroompodcast.com. The email address is themanroompodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, uh, Patreon, we're up there. Also, get to us wherever you get all of your uh, podcasts. I mean, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the RSS feed. Uh, We will definitely have some links in the description today because joining us in the man room, a very accomplished comedian and uh, former um, colleague of mine, Andy Andrist. How you doing, man? man? Good to see you, sir. Dude, I'm doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. Uh, Year two, year two of the pandemic. Uh uh, yeah, it's like this. I'm not uh, looking forward to this year <laughs> if it continues like this. Uh, right. I've had some dark periods uh, <laughs> during it. Uh, but then I like f- kind of, you know, it's like you figure out ways to uh, stay I- interested in, in, in tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I did all that. Now I feel like if it fucking keeps going, I'm going to be repeating. I'm going to go back and rebark my yard again. It needs it again, though. That's a- that's what happens. It just sits there and rains on it, and then you rebark it every year. That's as that's what I figured out as being a homeowner is all this shit's only temporary. You're yeah, going to have to uh-huh, do it again. So, uh-huh. and then and when you die, then somebody else will have a new concept. <laughs> uh, yeah, at my old house there was a spot where. I would go down the stairs, and we had it revarnished or whatever, and I would go down the stairs, and my, my thumb would always go to the same spot on it. And by the time we moved out of there, it was maybe 10 years or whatever, but it was like, you know, my thumbprint had been wedged in there, and I, and like somebody else will come in and just erase all that. Yeah. And they erased every, you know, they erased just not only that, but they erased the yard and all the shit that I took pride in and everything. It's like, right. man, none of this is even, we're not even supposed to have it. And uh, <laughs> it's not ours for long. No, it's not. And the, the funny part about that is too, is that they will relish in destroying all your hard work. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll make them happy. They'll mm-hmm. look at what you did, think it sucks yeah. and try to do something better. It's like that uh, movie gross point blank where I went, I go back to my old house and it's not there anymore. <laughs> it's a mini mart, but where where I had a place right on Oakway Road, where it was like a, a it was almost like a half acre, but it felt like the, a big chunk of land, and it was like we were paying for it, and and uh, had all kinds of shit like grapevines and uh, raspberries and fruit trees, and and uh, and then eventually we uh, there was, uh, started building next to us and building up giant homes that looked into our yard and shit. So we decided to sell it and the guy who bought it was a developer he was a sneaky fuck and he uh he ended up buying it and then and now there's two homes on like my yard doesn't exist anymore the greenhouse that i raised kind of raised my daughter in and shit uh uh, is gone and uh you know now there's just two big homes with two big trucks and uh it's the american dream just playing out I, right there huh? yeah and, and 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 where i felt like I, we uh, i wanted to stay there and fight the you know the whole thing and then uh and my family was uh, sick of my shit at that point and ready to leave you know uh so i was like uh if i because i oh here's the deal is my daughter was uh if she didn't, uh, if she got picked in the lottery at her grade school, at this other grade school, everything would have been okay or whatever. But because of that, then we had to move to a different side of town. 
But up until that lottery drawing, I, w- I got an electric guitar, and I was just making racket to upset the neighbors and shit. <laughs> as a, I didn't want to sell the house, and I didn't like the development going on. And uh, I think, I, you know, I was thinking like, one time I talked to you, I know where I'm like, man, I'm not by. I'm like a bipolar weekend warrior, whereas I know I've, I've have moments where my I'm fucked up and I have trouble unwinding and shit. And uh, but when I was living at that house and all these big houses were going up next to me and my family was sick of me because I was I was right, but uh, uh, it was an important thing. And I told my daughter this: it's like yeah, it doesn't matter how right you are. If all you are is angry, then that's what people will remember. They won't go, wow, that guy yelling at the top of his lungs made some pretty good points. You know, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I've learned that. Like, I've, I've gone fucking completely haywire with stuff and had to rework my way back. And I think that's what bipolar is, is you don't work your way back so much. <laughs> you get lost on yeah, that run. That I side still of the do trip. the same shit. It's like, I, but I reflect back and go, man, maybe I was fucking kind of on the edge there a little bit. <laughs> but I think that that's, I mean, that's some great, uh, uh, some great strategy to buy an electric guitar and just trying to make noise and kind of stage your own rebellion from right inside your own house. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, he, he, uh, so the property next to us sold, and and our but it was like a substantial chunk so along our fence line where there was just open farmland there was going to be like five homes that would be built up and look into our property and stretch code and there was you know they were all it was uh uh south of the border labor and they kicked ass you know i saw them i you know i they got it done quick yeah i mean my biggest complaint was now where am i gonna masturbate (laughs) you know these guys are building homes every every day now there's 30 guys swinging on ropes and building these giant homes i'm just trying to put on massage some uh, lotion But uh, it's that is a scary part of home ownership too, because you don't realize until you really get all your furniture in and you get comfortable in your house where those angles are. There was an angle mm-hmm. in an old house that, that my wife and I lived in, and for the first like year and a half that we lived there, I didn't notice it. But we had a sliding glass door that went to the outside, and then there was that weird like eight inch window above the sliding glass door. Mm-hmm. We didn't put any fucking curtains on that, and so <laughs> one day I was sitting there on the couch naked. And I happened to look up through this window, and there's a dude in my next door neighbor's house in his window looking at me and my, and I'm balls ass naked, Andy. I've got uh-huh. nothing. I don't even have a blanket he, close to does me. He give you a thumbs up, or a- <laughs> I don't think he was impressed, man. As much as I was trying, I yeah. just don't think he was buying into it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's you know it's a tough go out there being uh-huh. a being kind of a, a toothpaste tube shaped <laughs> white guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, male nudity is generally not <laughs> light. You know, it's like if you like I do something I and uh, it's it's a uh, I do it it's it started out as kind of a I just did it and then it was like maybe this is a philosophy called nature jacking. <laughs> it, it's self explanatory, but instead of like you know relying on pornography or skulking around somebody or bothering somebody else for sex. I just like, uh, started realizing that, uh, you know, going out in the woods and being out in nature and hiking and shit. And it's like, uh, and then it's kind of a challenge too, to get off the beaten path, so to speak. <laughs> no and, pun uh, intended. And, right? and then, but uh, by doing that, I realized it's like, it's kind of freed me out. You know, it's like one, you, you take care of yourself and uh, it might sound creepy or whatever, but you know, staring at a, an angle, of crater lake and being in a cold wind and being able to chuck one off and then head up the, you know refreshes you for a long drive uh it, it 
I think it's like, a, I think people are getting so fucking toxic and like, oh, you know, there's a hundred group, groups a guy can uh, join to learn weird shit and be angry. But, you know, just go out and jack off on your own out in the woods and calm the fuck down. I think, you know, at first I, I didn't want to share it because it was like it calmed me down, made me happier. But I don't want to go out there and nature jack and see some fucking truck driver out there angry, ch- angry chucking into a shoe or something. You don't uh, want to you don't want to blow up your spot. Is what you're right. Right. But my spot is everywhere. <laughs> your spot is nature. You just don't want right. to blow up nature. Yeah. So yeah. when you hit that bong really quick, um, yep. uh, everybody's just going to have to bear with because I forgot to close the window and now I'm realizing I've got like <laughs> Beltline highway traffic in my ears. So go ahead and smoke your bong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super professional podcast we got going here. Yeah, mine's a complete fucking disaster. <laughs> uh, but that's why they called it Issues with Andy. Right. That's yeah. that's what I was going to say. The The podcast that you have, you're, uh, you're over 100 episodes in, is called Issues with Andy. Can you tell me a little bit about it? I, yeah. I watched some, but I know yeah, the well, listeners it was a. I was well. I mean, how it came about was I was I was going to quit comedy. I was, I mean, not quit in a dramatic way. I got to announce it. I just didn't feel like it anymore. I lost a good friend, Sean Rouse. To uh, uh, he was uh, he was uh, killed in a bank robbery. Are you no, serious? No, he okay. was uh, he died natural causes. But I always try to make it sound better for him. <laughs> for him, he just I uh, you know he's a young man who had arthritis and and uh, he liked to party and stuff. But he he was recording. Uh, well, I did a tour with him and Junior Stopcut, and we w- went uh, all over in a, f- a cheap car, and it was like, you know, it's, it would have been more disheartening if the company wasn't so grand, you know? Right. Uh, it was just a <laughs> fucking fiasco tour, too many drugs, uh, uh, and all that. But Sean was working on some material, or he just killed me. He was really dark and funny, and he had this whole set of stuff, and, and uh, we'd catch glimpses of it on these shows. And, uh, and then he he recorded, and I guess it didn't. From what I heard, it wasn't a great uh, night for him. And that and that and then he was going to redo it, and then he got sick, and then uh, never made it to that thing. So, cut to I was uh, Stan Hope was recording a comedy special in Vegas. And I had just eaten some LSD because I'm in a better head spot than I used to be. So I can do that. <laughs> so I gobbled down a big chunk of that. And then I, uh, before Doug went up, I asked him, hey, man, would you rec- uh, would you help me do a comedy special? Or, uh, and he said, yeah. And then, uh, but I, I just kind of impulsively did it. And then I, and then, uh, like, I didn't have a bunch of gigs lined up. Like, comics in L.A., they're like, oh, I'm running my hour. I'm heading out, you know. And they run their hour all over, you know. And I didn't have that. I had a bunch of sh- uh, half-ass gigs like Prineville or not Prineville, but uh, uh, Baker. It's just oh, a, Baker an City. Yeah, an assortment of fucking things that I think Baker uh, – I'm going to fuck up the... Anyway, there was one place I went over there, like Baker, one of them that was... They had a sign that said, if you have any problems with any content, any like any anything you could think of, then stay the fuck out or leave quietly. And that one was good. But then I had some real hit and miss. Uh, 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 some. Uh, it's just not the kind of shit you build confidence to, to do a set. And I was uh, just hoping that it, things would fall in better, but they didn't. And then I just got closer to when it was time to go there and tape and uh and i still like had a you know loose uh fucking ideas you know or i had 
I hadn't really gone uh, and ran the material enough to go, oh, I could take get rid of that or whatever. So it was like, you know, the first night there, and I got Paul Provenza out there and Doug Stanhope and Provenza, and, you know, I got some good people involved. And, and here I am. I don't fucking know what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, so we, I muddied, muddled through the first night. And then, uh, and, and then the sec- we did two nights, and then the second night I felt like I was in a rhythm. And, uh, and then so the stuff we did on the first night, we can mix some of that in. or It's already done. It's completed. People were happy with it on Saturday, and I'm always going to feel like I failed. And I know I failed because I didn't get my brain to, to do what I wanted it to do. People are okay with it, and they like what I did. But to me, it was like, God damn it, I only touched on part of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll hear it and go, I don't even remember doing that. You sure, know, I'll, sure. I made up shit on the, uh, on the spot. And forgot some of the shit I was gonna do. <laughs> well, I'm excited, man, because I, yeah, I, you know, I, I told you uh, off the air. I had Chris Castles on the podcast um, just a few days ago, actually, and I'm not sure when this stuff is gonna release, but I will definitely make sure that it's chronological yeah. because he talks about um, your special out there that you filmed at Stanhope's, and mm-hmm. he was super excited that it was going to get made, but it is still in production. Yeah. Other than you've well, you filmed the bit, but you still have the the post yeah, stuff. Yeah, we got to do. all the post stuff is done. And Provenza, who you know, he he directed it, and uh, and he knows a lot. He's in LA, so he's gonna he's showing it to a few people, and uh, and then when they say no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we'll we'll uh, just I don't know we'll you know figure out that. But uh, yeah, I got some people to because I I didn't know how much money would go into it, how much money it would take to get a film crew and shit. And Stanhope was like, I'm not paying for all this shit you know he paid for a lot and helped uh, immensely but he wasn't ready to foot the whole fucking bill and then Provenza called up like this is like a week or I'm on the road doing my hit and miss gigs and then Provenza calls up like a week before he's supposed to leave like what the fuck's going on man you don't have none of this is paid for you know fucking uh you know and then I did a, a, a fundraiser which I hate doing you know but a fundraiser basically to and and this was a gamble for people is they were paying for me to tape which to me is like wow you fucking you know you're you're a fucking gambler man (laughs) Uh, not the greatest financial decision maker yeah yeah, man i'm only i'm you know i'm only putting a quarter of my brain in this thing and i don't know what the fuck's going on and uh uh but people did that i was i know i was in corpus christi trying to bang out a cellist like you know this is like i'm i've got about three shows before i'm gonna be taping and i'm sitting i had a uh, somebody gave me a, a lump of money and I was unaccountable for this money. It was like a couple grand. And, uh, and I just fucking spent that money. Get <laughs> a rub and tug in New Mexico. <laughs> uh, I, I was just living the life. And, uh, 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 but I got to Corpus Christi and it's like, God damn it, man, what are you doing? And, uh, and, uh, I was trying to get to, you know, I was trying to do it and it's not how I've ever, it's, I devolved in comedy from having a real good idea and a real solid list to giving up on all that because it never sort of it, it. I couldn't force that to work in a chronological order uh-huh. without somebody fucking me up, and I would get twisted. And then I just kind of built a, a pattern of uh, kind of getting working my way back. Like sometimes I'll say a setup, and then uh, forty minutes later I'll do the punchline, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, so, uh, but in Corpus Christi, I remember getting all that money 
Uh, and I had the money, but that's what I was pissing away on the road. And then I got another lump of money to pay the camera crew and all that. But people pitched in on it and I, and I was, you know, and, uh, and I didn't want to fail anyone, but I just know my fucking brain and it wasn't, you know, lining up and shit. And, uh, and on the the day of the second shooting, uh, I went, I was playing basketball for a while me and kenny a, a guy in bisbee we played a couple of 10 year olds in basketball. like i should be going over and pounding out a set list with people uh or by myself but and instead you're backing a 10 year old down in the post yeah we fucking beat him you know uh <laughs> but uh and then and then i went out oh no we we went out shooting so i wanted to i wanted to have the some explosions and gunfire in this comedy special and bisbee i could make that happen right so we did that and then we went and played basketball but after after the gun range everybody was expecting me to return to the the you know to where the taping was and provenza was going to sit me down and and doug and uh and figure out what i was going to do and instead i went and played basketball after that <laughs> and uh so when i finally got back about two hours before we were going to do the final taping is uh it was like an intervention. Paul goes, get over here. And then we sat down and then him and Doug, uh, you know, Doug was the good cop. Uh, Doug, well, he was the cop on my side. It's hard <laughs> to tell anymore. But Paul was like insistent. I tell him what I was going to say first. And I didn't really know what I wanted to say first. And then, and then he goes, well, what's your second beat? I don't know. <laughs> Third, I don't know. <laughs> so eventually we had a list and Doug was like, don't worry about it, you know, and, uh, and, uh, he goes, uh, just let him uh, put a lit. And so what they came up with is to put a big fucking set list on, or, you know, make my set list and then put it big enough for me to look at a, a, the stool that sat up there with me. And it had all the shit in the order that I said I would do it. And, uh, and, and then I went through and I was like, and I looked at it a few times during the show. And then Paul was like, at the end of it, he goes, why don't you fucking do that every time? <laughs> like, yeah, that does make sense to kind of have it setting right there. So, and big enough, you know, I'd like write it on my hand. That doesn't work for me anymore. I don't have giant hands. Like, nearsighted. Always sweating, too. That's another one for me. Mm -hmm. It's just I'm always sweating, mm -hmm. so that ink never sticks. Yeah. So I call it the, the uh, title of it is Last Shot. And that's kind of what I felt like. Like, if I didn't get nailed it on Saturday night, I was, my friends would still be my friends, but they'd be bummed out and pissed off at me <laughs> and uh yeah so uh and then we do have the guns uh the uh, shooting i blew up a pig at the beginning of it it was uh we rigged up like a ceramic pig i wrote sheriff joe on it uh but we uh rigged it up with tannerite oh yeah and uh black i was, hit it with a sniper rifle and blew it up and uh, so then, uh, yeah, that's the start of the comedy special is that that goes into uh, comedy. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Tannerite is, uh, that's an adult toy that is is uh, timeless, in, in my uh -huh. opinion. I got to shoot a Desert Eagle 50 caliber pistol at a thing of Tannerite, and yeah. it's more fun than I've had with my clothes on you in know, my entire life. You I don't know? know how many explosions you'd have to witness before it would lose its... <laughs> it's a lot. Like, you know, an explosion turns any... any dude into uh like a southern <laughs> redneck you know <laughs> it's like a fucking nascar uh, a flag or something it just yeah. gets you riled up it, it does <laughs> it does and you know uh having been around guns my entire life i've always known that and that's why when you get you talk to somebody that's like super against guns you know and they don't like people having guns and everything it's like 
You've never shot one, have you? You've never actually felt the power between your legs and just just squeezed one off. It's like, you know, there there's that saying where you don't pull the trigger, you squeeze. That that really cuts deep when you actually have that gun in your hands, yeah. you know? So, um that's great, man. So yeah. so you've got the special and everything done. Now tell me about how the the podcast started. How okay, did that yeah, yeah. So we we're so I was going to quit and I uh and then John Mink, he's I don't know if you run across him. He's a guy out Oregon comic, uh, uh, and he wanted to know, he called me up and asked if I wanted to do the Alaska comedy festival. And I was like, no. <laughs> and, uh, he goes, I'll pay for your airfare. And then I like, uh, and I didn't understand what his angle was, but I'm like, all right, I'll do that. Cause then I thought, figured I'll just go up there and, and nobody gives a shit and I'll just quit. I will just, and I'll go, you know, I'll do a forgettable set and say, yeah, I wander out a side door. <laughs> and, uh, and then I didn't know, like you know, who all was at the festival, and that uh, Brad Erickson, a good friend, and uh, and uh, and uh, Shaley, who's uh, associated with the club, who's Doug's manager, road manager, and then uh, um, Chad Shank, uh, uh, who's Doug's podcasting partner down there. Those guys were there, and I was like, oh, shit, no, you know, I guess, uh, I'll, you know, I'm so I'm gonna not maybe quit up there, but I'm not really thinking about anything, and. Uh, except failing because I just didn't have my head in comedy at all. And then I see the poster for the event and I'm, there's like four heads on the poster and I'm one of them. <laughs> like, Oh fuck man. I just thought I would be on a, you know, a showcase and uh, dump some shit and leave. <laughs> and, uh, but so we were all up there together and there were a setup for a podcast that was going to be going on at some point later in the day. And we just sat up there and did sound check with the gear and stuff. And then I just started telling him a story about, uh, uh, um, it's just something that happened in high school that involved some has the special ed class a uh, 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 teacher that was had Vietnam flashbacks and a farmer who brought piglets in to be neutered oh my and and it all was combined in the, in this building and uh, and but uh, and so we keep you know so we did uh, so we did that one and then we took yeah let's do this on a regular and uh, we didn't have a name for it like anywhere like bounced around a bunch of ideas and and uh and I was having a lot of trouble with the technical gear and shit. And then one, there was one where I just, they could hear me, but I, I was just, you know, I didn't know I was being watched or heard. And I was just fucking, <laughs> you fucking can yeah, Like, I, you know, I don't think I teared up, but it was like a man. I was man crying, yeah. was, you know, crying with anger, you know, <laughs> punching instead of actually trying to figure out shit. And uh, they watched the whole thing. And, uh, and they're like, well, we're having issues with Andy. And, uh, and the, so that's what we called it. And, uh, and then, so we were kind of, a, uh, like we'd had it going and then the pandemic started and then we started doing double down Cause you, you know, those first weeks and months of that shit, it's like, what, it, you know, we don't oh, even yeah. know if it, this is ever going to end or whatever. And, uh, and I think that was kind of what helped us build a little as we were there two times a week for people who everybody was kind of, uh, uh, almost everybody had the rug pulled out and was not doing what they would be doing. So, right. Uh, so it was a great time for it. It just kind of fit right there into yeah, that, into that vo void. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, you know, with Doug's people, so we had, I don't know how much of that we got, you know, we haven't like done a whole lot of, uh, Hey, you know, Doug's, I mean, I would never do that. Hey, Doug, send us some of your people over there. He talks about it on his podcast and, 
he he says it's like his used to be because we just kind of you know it's not heavy. We don't interview anybody, and and it's usually just you know I hate to say it, but I'm like a, a fucked up Regis Philbin. You know, <laughs> oh, what are you up to? Oh, I'm trying to kill a bunch of bees, and you know, uh, uh, I had that going all summer. It was a popular thing was uh, trying to kill yellow jackets in the in ground, and then the misfires and shit, and the. The uh, eventually somebody sent me a bee suit, and then uh, I'm walking around just raining death down on them. But uh, feeling us, really powerful once you got that suit. Yeah, huh? yeah. Oh man, yeah. When you realize they're not gonna sting you, and you're like, oh, okay, because you know, because I hate yellow jackets. Uh, Getting one sting in you, it'll ruin you for like four or five days. I hate bees in general, and I know that that's like a, a hot button topic now, as we're all supposed to care about and or save the bees, but. Can you not breed one that doesn't fucking sting me? I mean, you know, just last yeah. summer, my dog ran over one of those nests out in uh-huh. the on his oh, walk. Yeah. And I'm out there walking him with shorts on, man. I got drilled uh-huh. all over the legs. Fuck bees. Yeah. That's, I mean, oh, yeah, I've I, had a, nothing but trouble with them. Yeah, they're look the ones that breed um, and and uh, pollinate cannabis. They they've uh-huh. actually found that they make honey with with THC in it. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with those yeah. bees. Those are the bees that can. They stay. probably are like. Like uh, like if Snoop Dogg were trying to punch somebody, it would be like, "All right, dude, take it easy." You know, I know you want to sting me, but you're too high. Look at you, you <laughs> you're so cute, <laughs> little honey nut Cheerio. But yeah, the well, and they're getting. I think uh, my theory is they're getting worse. The ground invading ones. Uh, it's just like you know, it's climate uh, adjustment kind of shit. I don't. I've never seen. Uh, so many yellow ground yellow jacket nests and then i would fuck one like man it's like you know like a one of them end of the world movies like i just did up la i <laughs> fucked la it took me you know it took me several tries and about 15 cans of that shit but i know i got them i there's no action you know and then three days later there's another fucking hole nearby it's like one of them crawled over there and dragged the queen over there and started yep. pounding out some sex and <laughs> Out come a bunch more fucking, you know. You know, this last summer, uh, my wife and I went camping down uh, on the Rogue River down south in Oregon. And don't ever go, by the way, because some of the most terrifying shit I've ever had happen at a campground happened down there. Yeah. Um, and you know. Merlin? A uh, little bit further south, yeah. yeah but um, it's actually that, it's the the Valley of the Rogue State Park. It's right there on yeah, the freeway. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. To guarantee that oh, it's going to yeah. be creepy as shit uh-huh. right on the freeway. But. You know, we got our spot, and it's 105 out there, and we're trekking around trying to find a good spot for the tent. We find the perfect spot, perfect shade, all that. We get the whole tent set up, which is a divorce waiting to happen if you've ever done it with your oh, wife. Yeah, we're done. We've, we've <laughs> That phase of our lives is way over. <laughs> so I step back just about to admire the handiwork that we finally completed, you know, through all the fighting and everything. And I look down on the ground, and right next to where my foot is, there's a hole about the size of a golf ball, uh-huh. and there's bees fucking uh-huh. everywhere. <laughs> So we drive into town, we get as many cans of bee killers yeah. they'll sell us, and uh, I just went scorched earth on it, just like you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I burnt through two full cans of bee killer, and then I went and got the biggest like basketball-sized rock I could find, and I put it on top of the hole, and I just thought, all right, dig your way out. If you're yeah, going to yeah, come yeah. get some, dig your way out. And you know, we were only there for a couple of days, and so we didn't have to worry about it. But the bees were only about half as scary as the... Uh, 
the wheelchair-ridden homeless man that made his way into our campsite way after dark one night. Uh You know, I'm sitting out there by the fire. I'm pickled on IPAs. I've been smoking weed for 14 hours at this point. I'm sunburnt, you know. And and my wife and I are just sitting by the fire not even talking, and we hear this weird scraping, this... And I, I don't have a flashlight on me. I have my 45 on me, which is unfortunate <laughs> for this person. But but I all of a sudden we hear and he's coming down like the 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 road that leads right into our campsite. And there's this road doesn't go anywhere other than our fucking site. And I ran over to the tent and I grabbed a flashlight and I shined it in his eyes. And I'm not shitting you, Andy. It's it's a, very clearly a homeless man, and he's dragging himself in a wheelchair with one leg. Mm-hmm. So he's like skidding it across. And I go, what? Just panicked, you know? Minute, what the fuck are you doing, man? And he looks at me, and goes, "You guys bum a smoke." And uh-huh. I just instinctively, I go, "No, man, you got to get the fuck out of here." Yeah. And I, I mean, dude, I this is not. First of all, <laughs> Southern Oregon is a whole different place. Yeah, I know yeah, you're yeah. a born and bred Oregon boy as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern yeah. Oregon's a different. I it, went. I went to uh, college there, Southern Oregon, whatever it is now. Oh, you did? Okay, uh-huh, down for in a Ashland. Couple of years, yeah. yeah. I, and then, and I was in, I was in nothing but trouble there. Uh, the whole like I, I, I was a, uh, I was 21, but I, you know, I, fl- I was a community college uh, loser in Albany. And then I transferred to Southern Oregon State, but I did, and then I ended up living in the dorms. <laughs> I was twenty one, you know. Oh, no. I was twenty one. Oh no! And had all co- you know, like community college was a blackout. I got credits, but I don't remember dick. Uh, uh, and but then I got to, to the dorm, and I signed a year contract, to, and I was in the dorm, and it's like you can imagine, you know. And I was a blackout drinker, and a. And uh, I read my file. Well, my file was read to me eventually when I was getting booted into uh, uh, what happened is this guy would, uh, the head of housing made money to get people into rehab. So there was that deal, but I was ready. They were ready to get me out of wherever. I had a like a big incident report through, a, you know, broke shit, punch shit, uh, uh, all kinds of trouble and then they were going to move me into the foreign dorm foreigners <laughs> dorm uh up on the top of the hill which is like uh i should have done it I, I didn't realize i was going to do comedy or i would have definitely done it uh and i went in and then i got uh the the head of housing is like giving me you know i was like i was you know drunk uh <laughs> i got drunk because uh, i knew i had to go up there for the meeting and there's a bar you could hit omar's and i drank at omar's a couple pitchers went up there and this guy and me got into a verbal altercation and he's like, uh, you know, he goes, you're, you're going to rehab and all this. And, and, uh, he goes, you want to play hard? You like, you want to play hardball with me? I don't, and, and, uh, anyway, somehow I, as I'm walking back through campus, I realized I had my signed contract. I didn't mean to do it. I'm just skittish and I get lucky sometimes, but I snagged up my contract. And that was the big stickling point. I had a signed contract, so I was going to either forfeit a lot of money uh, or get kicked out of college. It was on the t- all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then uh, I found out I had my contract. So then I went back uh, a couple days later and said, I'm moving out of the dorms, and I'm not going to go to rehab, and I'm not going to go to the other one. And uh, he went, went for, you know, he's going to show me the contract again. And he didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> And back then, nothing was digital, right? right so everything was right, on hard copy. Right. So, so I remember uh, whatever Man. I had prepaid for food, 
going down there and it was like Belushi and Animal House just filling up trays of candy and M&Ms and whatever I could put on there and cash out my uh, Green Springs dollars. Just the, the shopping cart of a blackout drunk, right? Yeah, but I'd take, a, I'd take a, a, when I'd meet a chick that wanted I could date in college there and I would go, I would... I would scan the movies because I was poor, and uh, and I'd steal my booze. So I could count on guy. I could ply him with booze, but I couldn't pay for dates. And uh, <laughs> and I would look and see what was playing at White City, which is if you White City, yeah, is uh, you know the amphitheater, a, right? Ap, yeah, aptly, I would go to the cheap movies there. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because they had like a dollar cent. You know, I'd find I was I'd figure out what movie was there and go. Well, I want to see that movie. Like I'd make have an opinion about it. Like I really, oh, oh, it's out at White City. So I take the stigma of I'm taking you to the fifty cent and <laughs> that where you look, bitch, you drank two pounders, and that's that was supposed to get me through Wednesday. <laughs> so you better enjoy this date because yeah. it's all I've got. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you made your way out of Southern Oregon, though. Thank God. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that when you came to Eugene? Mm, I, let's see i what happened there you know i ended yeah i ended up uh, back in southern oregon so i met a uh, lady while i was at, at uh in coos bay for the summer coquille coos bay area and uh and that was my wife uh so then she she we moved to portland together and then i i just wasn't college material <laughs> you know it took uh two or three i think five or six years of college like to really go, I don't, you know, when I was going to Portland State, I wasn't going. I just would, yeah. I would get up, like make a lunch and everything. And when my wife would leave for work, then I would go hang out all day in the activity center at the <laughs> at the apartments and shit. But I, it wasn't because I, I was lazy or anything. I just didn't care and didn't yeah. have any direction. So it was like sitting in class was, I just, you know, what could, uh, I could have gone and heard homeless guys in the park. It would have been just as meaningful to my future <laughs> yeah it's it was hard for me is a hard realization to make i realized that college wasn't really for me after just under seven years and i graduated that uh -huh. was how long it took me wow. to figure out i wanted yeah. to go into the full debt you know and really affect uh -huh. my life 10 years down yeah. the road i the one thing i will say about college though is it was the social aspect of it changed me as a person and mm -hmm. i don't think i'd be the same guy today like yeah. you know i i lived in the dorms my freshman year and yeah. we were we partied like nobody's business the guy that was my best friend in the dorms lived right next to me he looked like he was 32 and he had an id that said so and uh -huh. so we just go to 7-eleven and buy the entire dorm hall you know miller high life or whatever we're drinking probably that wasn't night. bipolar and <laughs> 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 yeah, but, uh, you know, it was then after that, you know, I had a band and everything. Uh -huh. So I was really into the social part of yeah. college. Um, but the whole book learning thing just mm -hmm. was lost on me. It's like, wait, you guys are going to class? Don't you? We have practice. We got to yeah. practice this song, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I ran. I mean, I, I basically was a criminal in, in community college. Like, uh, I didn't even I didn't set out to, to do it or whatever. But it just I was a uh, uh, my one of my jobs. uh financial aid jobs was working in the athletic department mm -hmm. and uh, so i was run stats and shit for the basketball team and stuff and then it's like you know it's like these are all guys who were sort of being shopped to oregon state but not really you know so these guys it's important to get stats and shit and and i, I didn't give a fuck man you know <laughs> Like, I give guys rebounds while they're on the bench, you know. It meant nothing to me. As long and, as that money was right. Yeah. And then but we all, you know, hang out and shit and, you know. 
<clears throat> I, I never traded women with them because I didn't have any to trade. <laughs> but I know, you know, that went on a lot. And I was just, you know, like I was from a, a Coquille, Oregon, and we, we had one black guy who lived there. And, but he just didn't represent, you know, but here I hanging out with guys from Alabama and Portland and, and, uh, St. Louis and, and they're, I have a criminal element to them and they just were cool and they got chicks and stuff. And, uh, and so I started being like, you know, it's coming up with ideas to use, you know, to use <laughs> what they introduced to me is that, that they would go into a store and the security would follow them around. So I'm like, oh, and I'm thinking, well, fuck man. All right, let's use that. That sounds so, like a diversion to yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, so they would go into the bookstore, talk to the ladies that, you know, at the bookstore, and and uh, me and the white dudes, we'd cut tags off of backpacks and fill it with books and slip right out while those guys, you know, and then security's keeping an eye on them <laughs> if there was any. And so we did a lot of that. And uh, But, I, you know, now when I look back on it, I was like, wow, that's kind of like, you know, creepy or, you know, like race using race or whatever. But it was, you know, I, I'd like to say I came about it innocently and, uh, and we were all equally fucking guilty. Yeah, of everybody shit. was in on and it. And I right? never ratted anybody out. When we got busted with the athletic department, I, I didn't, I didn't rat nobody out. There you go. <laughs> Good on you, dude. Good on you. So how far down the road from, you said you moved to Portland and everything. When did you actually get your start in comedy? Because you've, You've had a, a long career. You were a, you were a writer for a while for Comedy Central. I know. I mean, what what kind of led you onto the path of, well, of stand up and everything? I guess let's see. It was one. I guess after we moved back to Coos Bay, like we'd moved to Portland. No, nah, no. Anyway, this, I know the start was I was in Coos Bay. Uh, I'd failed at uh, college. I was with my my uh, fiance or girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and, and I was always, I like comedy. I don't know, you know, I didn't have a whole bunch I listened to. I'd see the Letterman's and I, I used to tape Saturday night live with Eddie Murphy. I always liked, you know, listening, just listening to audio of, of stuff and, uh, and, uh, but there was a Coos Bay contest, uh, and, uh, and it was, uh, it's just, I was working at a mill and bummed out about everything that was going on in my life. Like I, like I'd worked at mills in the summer, uh, and it was okay. Cause you knew you were better than those people. Cause you were going to go to college <laughs> and fuck them, you know, you fucking idiots, you know, but here I was back. I'd fail. I got, you know, uh, bounced out, you know, I had trouble academically at Southern Oregon state. And then at Portland state, I was on thin ice and then it just, you know, I just stopped going to class and shit. Uh, <clears throat> so it, uh, it didn't uh, crash out that way, but I was in Coos Bay and then I just, I kind of, while I was pulling on this green chain with these fucking losers, man, this was the worst. And I'd been in uh, several other mills and this was a crew of fucking scumbags and I fucking hated every minute there was a mute that worked across from me who was always trying to communicate and if you know like I don't want to play charades don't you know I get it I'm not pulling enough fishtails man uh or whatever but uh so I, I wrote down and uh some stuff and I uh got into this contest and when I uh, went into the uh the green room the the like a banquet room and it was a big it was a big hall in Coos Bay at the Red Line. It was like the biggest, the biggest room they could put together there. And when I went into the room with all these other comics uh, or all these comics, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, kind of, you know, just kind of had an idea what I was going to say. 
and it was a five minute deal. And, uh, and then all these guys were like, they, I walked in and I thought they were pros because <laughs> they all talk like they were pros and had their thing. And they're like, I'm trying a new bit or, you know, and I got, I got the impression that I was in over my head that these were all good comics. These or were the, this was the top flight of Coos Bay, Oregon. Huh? Well, they were coming all from Portland. Oh, okay. I get so you. There was only a couple locals in this thing and, and I was one of them. And, uh, and, uh, and then there was about 10, they recruited a bunch of Portland comics. They were open micers and there was a couple in there that were working comics for a few years. Uh, one of them lives here, Keith Woodring. Oh yeah. Who, uh, I always uh, enjoyed making fun of his one leg and Keith was actually, uh, a pretty good road comic in those days, but he, I think he won the thing anyway. So the first night I did five minutes and made it to the next night. And I remember, uh, just like, fuck. Yeah. This it just felt right. You know, like I, I kind of, I did real well. Everything worked. I was kind of, you know, I don't even remember it, but five minutes is nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next night was 15 minutes and, uh, and, just like I was telling you about the taping, I had no fucking idea what I was going to be doing the second night or anything. But I know there were several of the comics for, uh, that got eliminated that were pissed and calling bullshit, local politics and shit. Because I overheard that. And, and so it was a good night. And no one, you know, like, wow, comics are dicks. <laughs> yeah, fuck uh, those guys. Yeah, these guys are rooting against me. Uh, this one guy was known as the he called himself the man of a thousand voices. Oh God! And we never ever knew what his real name was, and most of his voices were all the same. <laughs> uh, he went by his name was Jay Webb, and he was like, I, I did just ah, just any, but uh, uh, Jerry Lewis, you know, a fucking nutty, and he he was the one who was bitching about me was I walked into. They invited me to go hang out with them after the first night, and I, w I got there late, and I walked into the room, and they were bitching about it. Several of them were bitching about me, but not Keith Woodring and Ken Samuelson, this other guy. They were all right to me, but I, I kind of was was friends with Keith a little bit after that. But uh, So the next night I went up, and I, s didn't have sh I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought I had to do all new shit. Uh, and recently I've seen tape of it, and uh, I did a Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> uh, I should have pulled my pants way down. And uh, I was I was sort of miss. I don't think I gave him a proper setup to uh, what would be loosely phrases a bit about uh, somebody getting poisoned on mushrooms or a lady. Uh, it was like a dinner party for a work a work, and and everybody needed kidney uh, like a liver replacement. It was like wow. years ago, and I just I th I thought it was topical, <laughs> and, it, and I I didn't explain it well. But I anyway though I ended up third place out of this thing. Nice. And then they made me house MC there, so I got two free beers to MC for all these different comics who came through, and for the most part I was. You know, they they would always say not you know complimentary things. So I was like, you know, I I was raw and and funny or whatever. But uh, and and then I kind of started getting familiar with Coos Bay and thinking, man, fuck these people. <laughs> and uh, and I and I kind of I didn't know that I was a liberal or whatever, but I had uh, a spotted owl joke that had a, a more of an owl to it and uh, don't do that in a logging community right Andy. right so when i left coos bay and i would drive up to the black angus up here uh you know where that is 
I know where it used to be because Franklin, it used to be my yeah. yeah, it used to be my parents' date spot when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you might have got conceived after a comedy I'm show. I'm very you could have been, yeah. I, I mean, is, I'm not sure. I'm I was born in eighty four. I don't that? think Co- or, uh Eugene has ever been as good had as good of a regular room as the Black Angus. And I was new, but I come up there and do five or ten minutes, it would suck in Coos Bay and I would go up there and it was like that for everybody and it was just it was like a uh, I don't even know if the space is there anymore. I doubt it. But, uh, uh, like, I'm sure Hicks and, you know, there was a lot of uh, people working for those uh, those things. They would bounce in and do a night or two. Or, sure. You know, but. Uh, uh, well, in a place like Black Angus where you can also get yourself a porterhouse and, you know, a glass had, of whiskey, right? They had a, a stage there. And then, like, it seemed like almost everything after that was either too tight a quarters, not a real stage. Uh, or a dance floor, Kowloon's in the dance floor. It was like that would became the next big room in Eugene. And I worked that room, you know, Hedberg was there a few times. No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I uh, Hedberg showed up there, and I was friends with him before that, uh, but I got a phone call to come down because the headliner was going to be late. And I was like, oh, Hedberg. <laughs> and uh, and I got there, and Kip, Kip was, is it Kit or Kip? I could never figure it out. It's the guy Kit. Re- Kit. 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 So I had it wrong on both counts. Yeah, you did. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I only and, know that because he used to pay me a hundred bucks to go down there every Friday night when I was on the radio. Yeah, and I didn't even have to say shit on the mic. He just gave me a hundred bucks and a bunch of free rum and cokes. You're right. It's one of yeah, my yeah. favorite people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he was great. I just the the setup was always you know just. It, I always it, comedy. It always helps to just be uh, on some sort of set aside. Yes, if absolutely. you're right there on a dance floor, it's like somebody could get up and ask you to dance, and it wouldn't be out of <laughs> the realm of possible. But he, uh, so Hedberg was extremely late, and I, I did about ten, fifteen minutes, and then it's like they're not here. And then uh, he goes, and then Kit would go ask if I wanted any food. And so that was, we did, I did about an hour and 15, 20 minutes before Hedberg got there and he was fucked up when he got there. But, uh, by then I had two, two stools of Chinese food. He'd bring out like, oh, and I'd go, all right, I'm oh, all right. How about some shrimp? And like, uh, how about some Marfar chicken? He knows how to take care of his, yeah, of his performers. Yeah, There's and no he knew question. If I wasn't there that they would just, you know, comedy would be over and, and, is is inattentive and and uh as uh, rough as that show always felt when it was over people would leave so it was like wow they were here for the show right they were here they for the show don't know how to listen right and uh, they can't not talk over their right, dim sum yeah. you know it's like uh, uh, uh like uh, uh when uh, blacks talk about like the blacks in the movie theater oh no you know don't go in there or shit <laughs> but that's how fucking white trash at those calories <laughs> shows you know you start talking about something and they go oh that that's like your brother's like it's not just, <laughs> just us, shut asshole, the fuck you up know? you dropped your lighter down there there you go i've been looking for it for, i, I could tell forever. you pack yourself another bowl I i'll do. tell I you yeah, I you know uh, it was really sad it's just been a few weeks ago uh but i don't know if you saw right at the end of 2020 kowloon's actually um announced that they were closing down for good oh really wow yeah and and wow. it's i mean you worked there way uh-huh. back at the beginning of your uh-huh. career it was my first weekly gig that i had on the radio yeah um and and it was a eugene institution i mean the food mm-hmm. notwithstanding people yeah. went to that bar or that that <coughs> restaurant for other reasons other than to uh-huh. just eat 
And you could see a Kowloon's car driving around for delivery. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh-huh. I feel kind of bad because we did a pretty funny prank uh, call <laughs> back in the day on the Donkey Show when we would, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we would call Kowloon's, unfortunately, was one of them. <laughs> and then we would call another Chinese food restaurant and we would just put them on the phone with each other. <laughs> and they would just sit uh-huh. there and go back and forth and not always the most understandable people answering right, the right, phone, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, and it was it was great, but you know a real Eugene institution that I was sad to see go. But it's interesting that it played a, a, a part in the beginning of your career. I was not aware yeah. that they even really did comedy. Yeah, down there. yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of memories of that place. Uh, but yeah, that night Hedberg showed up and he had a he had a lady with him. He was like, ah, oh, this is my niece. Like, oh yeah. Uh, but he was that was a weird night because uh, Kelly Moran, a friend of mine who's a keyboard player, had Victoria Jackson and him were doing college gigs. And Kelly Moran and Mitch Hedberg were not friendly at that time. And so I was like, I had like two different parties I was at. Like I, I, uh, I went and did the show and then Hedberg was on and I left and I went across the river and hung out with Kelly Moran, Victoria Jackson, and my wife over like a wild duck. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I, I think I, I, I might have left and I'd say, like I was going home. And then I'd drive over and get high and hung out with Hedberg uh, back over on the other side there. But, uh, Sounds like a great night, to be honest. Yeah, and I should have just said, you know what? Fuck that Victoria Jackson. That shit. But she was, uh, she's, a, she's a weird, you know, broad. She's gotten way weirder since then. But I lived on Oakway Road there. And she, this was right after... Uh, Phil Hartman's death. Oh, yeah. And uh, then she was out in the road there. And Oakway Road can be, you know, calm, but uh, all of a sudden somebody's zipping up there. And she was standing in the, she wanted to get a picture of my house. And she so she stood in the middle of Oakway Road in the, the median or whatever, the middle lane there and kept backing up. And there was a car that almost clipped her. I was like, oh, shit. And I saw it and I flinched up because, you know, she's another human. And then and I was like, oh, man, if she'd have got clipped, that would have, you know, put me on the radar. Like, what's Victoria <laughs> Jackson doing taking a picture of somebody's house for? You almost had your big break I right know. there when she got yeah. almost got hit by that car. Yeah, they, I, you know, Kelly was great. He'd come in and he'd play the piano, and he'd uh, uh, and like my kid was real little at the time. Was that that was the you know where like Eugene comedy scene to me was there was was no real comedy scene except open mic or uh, uh, the uh, paid one night gigs here and there. Uh, and then comic friends, uh, you know, would come in and I would have kind of the, uh, condo or whatever, you know, so I it was like, you know, it's like this, a quarantine where you don't have a lot of things. I didn't have a lot of adult company and then there'd be somebody fun playing the piano and my daughter dancing around and singing Victoria Jackson, singing along and, and, uh, Hedberg, you know, and hanging out and smoking weed in the <laughs> greenhouse and shit, uh, you know, and then. They would go, and then I just didn't know anybody because there wasn't a comedy scene here that I knew of. Sure. And I'm still not sure. It's still uh, kind of dwindling, man. I mean, it's been back and forth. You know, I actually, I don't know if you know this because I was talking to Castles about this, and he wasn't actually aware of this. I'm sure he was at the time, but, you know, mm-hmm. time's the best way to lose your memory is just to keep living, and then yeah, you don't yeah. remember the shit that happened. 
you and Chris Castles were instrumental in getting me on stage for mm-hmm. the first time that I ever yeah, performed. Yeah. And my first performance was in the basement at Diablo's. Right, a Christmas uh, ruin Andy Andrus. Andy Andrus ruins Christmas. I yeah. opened for uh, I opened for everybody. Seth mm-hmm. Milstein was on that bill. Uh, Chris Castles, Christine Levine, and yourself. Billy, Billy might have been on there. You know, and Billy. Billy. Uh, 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 fuck, I, I can't think of his name, but he he was a real eccentric performer. And I think he's in bands and stuff. Yeah. Billy, uh, fuck. Anyway, Billy D. Billy. Oh, uh, Billy D. Yeah. I think it is Billy yeah, D. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, think... I took him on the road to do a gig, and and uh, that was a lot. Like I, I would, <laughs> I would vouch for people when I had no idea because it's just you know it's like some nervous Nelly Booker, and it's like who are you bringing? That's Billy. He's like, oh, well, have I seen him? Yeah, he's great. Or you know, I had no idea, and then you know, it cost me work or whatever. But who gives a shit? <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, the, I did the. Those shows, uh, and then I would kind of, like, uh, yeah, I know, uh, you know, it's like, I kind of wanted him to not work, you know, it was like, I'm ruining Christmas, and uh, and then it's like, uh, you know, like, I remember uh, Tanner was saying, was bitching, or he was just, like, talking about the show, not be, but he was, he was being pretty harsh on it, and I didn't, you know, I was like, good, he got it. <laughs> <laughs> he figured you out know? that I was trying yeah. to ruin it. Yeah, Is that course. why you had me? You're like, this no, guy's no, never performed no, but before. That's why I had, uh, I put, he was complaining <laughs> specifically about Levine's boyfriend at the time, uh, that uh, uh, Justin, who was a, a really cheesy <laughs> fucking uh, musician, or a mu- magician. Magician, yeah. Like a fucking bad, you know, like a, uh, you know, like the, the the lamest of magicians, but only lame because he he doesn't think he's lame. You know, because a lot of times magic just operates on a level where they know they're lame, yes. and that's part of the stick. But when they don't know they're lame, then it's, it's a like real problem. To watch. Yeah, it's a real problem. <laughs> you know? Yes, and and you know what's funny, Andy, is that I actually I fished out an old handheld camcorder that I had from those days, and on this little blue memory chip right here that you can see in my little chip reader. Uh-huh. There is that set, oh, my nice. very wow. first set from Andy Andrus Ruins Christmas, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, made it about forty-five seconds through it. Fucking yeah. shut it off. Yeah. So that's where we are. Uh-huh. You know, and I, it never get if you're if you have that problem, you'll never get over it. No, I could. You can stand force it. your. I've had to do it a little bit, but I have also gotten to where, like the, on this latest thing, uh, Paul sent it to me, and I know they want to hear what I have to say about it. It's you know. And, uh, and then I send it to other people and then I kind of get a gist of it. Uh, and then I piece together, uh, actually on this one, I did go watch it with, uh, a, a friend, uh, and, and, uh, and his roommate. So two guys watched it and I watched it from another room, but they were laughing. And I was like, when I go, okay, and they're not just doing it to make me feel, but I can't do it. It's like, uh, yeah. I just, I, you know, uh, if, if there's a person who hates me more than any other person on the earth, it's me watching me. <laughs> I like, feel you. God, you suck, dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> How does anybody listen to this garbage? I think that's part of what plays into getting better at your craft, though, is it, for me, and, and this goes, like, back to my beginnings in radio, even before I started doing dabbling in stand-up a little bit, um, I used to have to always go on the air with one of my headphones off of my ear because I cannot stand my voice in my head Mm -hmm. is Hollywood. And my voice, when I hear it in my ears is 
coquille. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's what I found. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I don't necessarily like the way that it sounds. And so that's always been a real tough one for me, too, because that's the same thing in radio applies to comedy. If uh-huh. you want to get better, you have to listen to yourself. Right, right, yeah, Find yeah. out what you don't and like the, about it. You know, it. and then the, uh, there's some who just can just it doesn't bother them even slightly yeah it makes me think and you narcissistic fact, like piece of shit on by their own voice <laughs> yeah, exactly and, but they know how to maximize it get the clip they want and everything it's like i've had to leave a lot of that up to other people you know and uh, there was like a word in something that paul took out uh and and i you know i had to kind of bluff along with the idea kind of you know and then i was like oh okay and then we you know when i did I didn't even know I used the word. It's a, it's an old, well, tranny. Uh, okay. And, and, yes. and, and it's a, and it's, it's a tough a, one to use nowadays. It wasn't necessary to the thing. And it was more of a, I didn't even realize that that, you know, uh, so he goes, it kind of, you know, cause it's pro it's pro, uh, uh, however you say it, uh, uh, and, and all that. But it was like, you know, I couldn't have gone through that and listened to it and then, and then had a real debate with him about the merits of how it fit in there and anything. Cause I didn't listen to any of it. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I, you know, there's a, uh, I forget somebody. Well, I mean, I got a, uh, like Paul gave me this big, long thing about, you know, like, or I go, I watched it and then I go, I, my response was after I watched it, well, I think I like it. It's me. All right. And then he sent me a long message, like a, a artist, an artist kind of thing is you should be proud of this shit. And you know, you're, it's a lot, you know, a lot of shit in here that you should be excited about and all this stuff. And, and it was a, you know, he sent me a long thing and then I wrote, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, but I, that's what I have to do now because I'm, uh, you know, it isn't, it's even deeper beyond not liking the sound of my voice as for years I've had a negative flow, you know, in my, maybe not about other people or whatever, but I just didn't feel like I deserved any kind of thing or wasn't that, you know, and then I friends with Doug Stanhope, who's all constantly telling people he thinks I'm the funniest person in, and uh, all this shit and, uh, and none of it's provides a big ego it's like i don't believe it and uh and you know but then i get you know paul and doug are both involved in my project paul sending me this thing and it's like man how fucking big of a ego do i think to uh that these these people are going through all this fucking trouble to make me feel better about myself <laughs> you know that's where i there, there's two choices either they're completely fucking with me uh trying to make me feel better about my feelings or i'm legitimately You're doing all right yeah it's legitimately true and i should shut the fuck up and support it not at least at the very least uh n- not uh be negative in my own head about right it. fight fight back against it yeah. yeah which is where i would be you know with with a, a <laughs> different responses and shit <laughs> i would be you know i have no way to know how to feel about myself right you know yeah well it, it's something i've always struggled with too man i've never had like a what i would call high self-esteem mm-hmm, yeah. you know and it, it's it, i think that it's almost um you don't see it in every comedian that you meet or every performer or every artist that you meet but i do think it's something that's a little bit more common among the successful people that I meet in their craft, because I think that there is 
I fall in love a lot of the times with everything that I like. I'll produce some audio, like bits for the show or little, you know, little things that I make for the ramps and stuff that sounds good. And I'll fall in love with it. And then my wife will come up here and listen to it and she'll give me a couple of little notes on it and I'll get like angry, uh-huh. you know, because yeah, yeah. I was already in love with it the way that uh-huh. it was. And, and she'll kind of tell me, like, listen, dick, mm-hmm. like, that's, I'm just telling you, I'm just giving you feedback. And then uh-huh. she'll leave. And then what I'll come to realize is like, yeah, maybe you're just not as fucking cool as you think you are. Yeah. And you need to listen to this outside right. criticism and take it and grow from it. But that's hard, man, uh-huh. because. I'm 36, and for 36 years, I've thought that I was pretty cool. You know, and <laughs> yeah. now I just I have to kind of break that mindset. Yeah. And well, it's a it's it's not even about being cool. It's about you know uh, being able to listen to other inputs and and go. Some people are real good at that. You know, to go to draw strengths out of other people to go. Well, yeah, you know, and then to to actively you know. But my whole thing is my my. Uh, adventure in comedy has been like a man trapped in a cave <laughs> i don't listen to much uh, other shit i mean I, you know as, as much as i uh, have loved watching my friends perform i don't listen to their stay current with what they're up to because i don't want to like cough out a routine and then have uh, somebody say oh doug stanhope's doing exactly the and we do think alike on shit so we have you know we've i know there's a time in a in a hotel where we're both drunk and we traded bits and then we couldn't remember what we traded so it, <laughs> i don't think it mattered but that's how interchangeable you know our thinking was on, on and uh and i think kind of in a way i don't know i mean he he's had a lot of different people open for him but it's like you know would you want to have somebody who's like a olivia grace who's a, a a chick who's funny and uh eccentric and and has her own weirdness or somebody who's got the same weirdness you do, who's <laughs> similar sounding and, you know, creepy looking little dude too. It's kind know. of the mindset behind <gasps> the unbookables though, right? Is that you guys yeah. were kind of a troop of comedians that had that same that same flow about you that was like, look, one of these guys might say something that might get a glass chucked at their head tonight, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and then that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love the unbookables, man. Yeah, and- I you know, there's two different versions. Okay, and there's one with music by Mishka Shabali and a re-edit, and uh, and that was the, the second version is the one I wanted when I saw the first one. The first one had moments in it, and I liked it and everything, but I just the soundtrack of it, I and and I also the self-loathing of watching myself. I almost became a junkie in the previews of that because I couldn't do it to sit there and watch it. And then I started doing Opana, which is a serious fucking uh, <laughs> hardcore narcotic. And I started liking the movie better. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, but that was the drugs. And then, uh, and then they did, uh, uh, they did a reversion, a new version and they added Mishka's music, which kind of like, uh, it puts you in the frame of mind of the, you know, like, uh, the, he has a song Gideon's Bible, and that's what the opening of the new version of it is. And I really, I didn't go through the second one all the way. I, I think me and James Inman tried watching it, and I told you know, shut your fucking hole, Inman. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't hate. I I didn't hate the first one. I was disappointed in it uh, because it just did. I just wanted it to really kick ass, and it it, it it didn't grab me that way. The second one I feel like is a much better version, and. Uh, uh, I think they added more comedy and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're all kind of losers and shit, uh, and 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 uh, and not 
doing great, you know, booking ourselves in comedy or whatever, but it seems like it's like, man, you know, how many, how many scenes do you need me with me stealing a bottle from a place? <laughs> right, let's cut it down to a couple, you know? I like all the, whenever they caught it on footage, that's when they should have a scene. If they yeah. can get you, yeah. then unfortunately it's just going to show up in the movie, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but it's like you get past some, a lot of shit, you know, the older you get or it's like I had disappointments and now, well, that's the thing with the podcast is I framed, I, it's a new way for me to do comedy. One, I've never been, uh, uh, like number one comedy that you go see and you see it again and again, and it's the same every time, or <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have a, a great brain for complete memorization or so I, I mean, I talk myself into holes and, and back out of them or whatever, but on the podcast with two or three other people, I stay on task a lot better. And I think when I, if I do go back out and there's a comedy world out there, uh, I'll have more of an audience, but I also have the confidence of not having to go set up punchline. This works, this doesn't. Cause that didn't work for me anyway. Yeah. You know, it wasn't my uh, thing. And uh, that's why I didn't kill it in the clubs after I started really, you know, getting too loose with my uh, way of uh, doing comedy. I, I wasn't well established enough to be a problem child in places. <laughs> <clears throat> but damn it, it's sure fun to be that anyway, right? I was. I mean, you know, but now, like I said, in the in the context of a podcast, I don't I'm get on there and brag at how great my comedy career. I'm no Burt Kreischer who's like, everything's going great. This is going well. I talk about how shitty, you know, it's like the failings of it and the missed opportunities and all that stuff. And, uh, and to me, that's more realistic than to try to go, Oh, I worked, uh, you know, uh, 52 weeks a year. You right. Know? Right. Uh, cause I didn't, I raised a kid and I hated, uh, the comedy experience a lot of times. And I would also get uh, would uh, come home as a like a drug fiend uh, from the road, like two weeks on the road, and I would just you know I'd, I eventually learn to curtail it. But I had a you know I couldn't stop doing any kind of drugs that I got, coke, uh, pills, or anything, alcohol, and I, and I just didn't really. And then I would get home and be a stay at home dad. <laughs> and, so there was a lot of weeping for the first couple of days, and then I got my shit together. It's a and then, tough balance to strike. But that's what I did when I was home, and that's why I didn't, you know, I'm not a dead comic <laughs> uh, because I had a whole different other world, and, and the right. two never really met. A uh, blackout drunk dad was never, you know, I was never the, a blackout drunk at home. I, I didn't drink at home. I I smoke weed and do glitter projects with my kid and uh, <laughs> and write notes and stuff for comedy. Uh, but I, uh, it was easy to throw myself into that because I feel like my childhood kind of got derailed and shit. So like being a, a having a a little kid and no adults to talk to was a pretty good groove for me for about five or six years. Yeah, because I you know I I'd, I'd go talk to adults when I got paid and I could get two <laughs> drinks first and then I would tell them what I thought and shut it down and that was it. <laughs> Now, uh, that brings me to something else that I wanted to chat with you about, and uh, I don't have a whole lot more for you here. We'll get this wrapped up pretty oh, this soon. Is, but... I'm, I'm having fun. So okay, yeah. good, good. As long as I'm not losing you, then, no, then I'm... I don't feel like I'm, I'm you know, losing uh, sight of how much <laughs> drink I've had. <laughs> well, it's, uh, one, uh, we'll touch on that real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a theme of, of the Man Room podcast here, which is what are we drinking tonight? Uh-huh. Um, 
you can go ahead. I'll I'm, I'm having a mimosa by, and, and I guess uh, it's just champagne and orange juice, and I feel like uh, I have a bit of a health problem. It's not. It's uh, diverticulosis or itis. I've got it too. And uh, and I I find that if I drink like I used to or I wanna. I have more repercussions, so I've sort of uh, gotten healthier. Good for you. As a result of it, and I only drink uh, a little bit of vodka now and then. Uh, I find that I just, I, you know, I like beer, but I just uh, end up with too many fucking wheat burps and shit. So uh, I've been really focusing on doing just a lot of pot during the pandemic and, yeah. and drinking uh, like this, a little, uh, just a celebratory drinker. Or two. Sure. I like it, man. Cause you know, what sucks about diverticulosis, itis, what you were talking about. I have that too. Uh, my dad has it. My sister mm-hmm. has, it. I got just, uh, it's all over my family. When, when you have an infection or a flare-up, they put you on antibiotics uh-huh. that you can't drink on. So yeah, if you're yeah, an alcoholic, right. oh, you got yeah. you got to take a 10-day break because one of those antibiotics is, is one that they actually use at uh, rehab clinics Anabuse. to deter people right. from drinking because yeah. it'll make you just profusely vomit. Uh-huh. And so I, I've had a couple of – in fact – um, I missed out on an elk hunt that I was supposed to go on this uh-huh. year because of a diver t- and yeah. I was bedridden. It was the first time yeah. I'd ever had to ask oh, a doctor for painkillers. Uh-huh. So it's it's ridiculous, yeah, man. It's a, so it's, yeah, it sneaks up you. on you when I've had uh, had them. It's like it just it's a weakening. Yep. It's like all this. I'm like trying to help. My brother was up to do a project with me, and I was like, I couldn't. I didn't, couldn't man up to do the project. I was just, I got to go lay down and take a nap and then find out, you know, my body's at war. Yep, yep. And, hot uh, baths are one of the only things that uh-huh. kind of make it subside or hot showers too yeah. for me. So, yeah, it's been a, a, a bummer, but, uh, you know, uh, the the leaner I get or the uh, I mean, raw foods and shit, but the, the less alcohol I've had. And then it's like, you know, and if I were doing comedy, I think I would be like, people would be like, holy shit, you know, like, because I, I just, I can't even uh, get a buzz like I used to. I used to be pretty good at, uh, especially when I was doing regular shows, I could get pretty buzz and deliver a better show than I would have done not buzz. <laughs> and I know a lot of people would say that's bullshit or whatever, but I know because there's just, you get loose and your brain, you just, you're, you know, you're uh, you're grabbing choices in your brain, and but it, maybe you're not grabbing the smartest choice, but you're grabbing whatever and you're selling it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very true, man. And and look, I that's one of the reasons that the theme on the man room is you know have a drink in your hand because I do feel like it does loosen you up a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, it's a social lubricant as best yeah. as it can be. I described. think Don Rickles is a, a proponent of two drinks. Uh, two drink, he you know probably whatever degree he wanted them right. You know you can get a lot done in two drinks. <laughs> yes, you can. you can get booted from places in two drinks, but uh, you know it's not a bad principle. No, it's really not. It's really not. And, and I, uh, I, I have to be honest with you. I thought just because I've known you for a while, I thought you were fucking with me when you said mimosas. Oh, so yeah, yeah. when I went and bought the champagne and the orange juice and everything, I totally expected you to just point and laugh at me when uh-huh. I got, when you got up here and it was uh-huh. here, but I'm glad to see yeah, you enjoying yeah. it. So yeah. Yeah. And I get them little, I get two the four pack of little bottles. So when I do the, my podcast, we do 
an hour and then we do another hour and uh for a while i was drinking quite a bit you know but it's like well, yeah you know it's a goddamn and i'm not this once this ends and i'm just here and it's boring and there's nothing going on and <laughs> anything so it's you know kind of started controlling the booze but we smoke weed the whole time yeah yeah constantly we got four screens going and i'm sure you know if anyone was uh not smoking weed they would uh, eventually start smoking weed. <laughs> me and chad tend to hit the bowl about every couple of minutes hey man that's why i had it set up over uh -huh. there for you i yeah. figured might as well keep you comfortable What's that band blues traveler with his vest that's what <laughs> i got like four clean pipes and my drink cups and i get edibles and shit i got yeah my control chair i got everything right there i don't want, I don't want to have to move that's great. Well, uh, I am not. I'm not as fancy as the champagne. I'm having a fresh pow uh, IPA from Block 15, which is uh -huh. up in Corvallis. Uh -huh. um, and I mean, the only way that I could be more Oregon than having a beard and liking IPA is actively wearing flannel, which I yeah. chose not to do because yeah. I was a little hot tonight. But uh -huh. uh, um, yeah, I, I love Block 15. My buddy from high school is the director of production over there. Uh -huh. They make some great beers. So if you're looking. Uh, for a new brewery and you're in the Corvallis area with nothing else to do, which is kind of Corvallis in a nutshell, just uh, go over to Block 15, grab yourself a Fresh Pow IPA. I think you'll enjoy it. And by the way, nobody's getting paid to say any of this shit, so. Yeah, I was just thinking about Corvallis with no Oregon State sports to attend. It's like, man, they really have nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's man. Ju that's Junction City, but yeah. 20, mi 20 minutes up the road, basically. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, I was going to ask you about this because once again chris castles talked to me a little bit about it when i was talking to him about things he had going on you guys a long time ago you and chris and uh, i know other people doug stanhope um got to work on a documentary about your uh life well it was uh it wasn't there yeah but what happened was is i went to florida because i was a victim of I was molested by a dude who took advantage of his relationship with my dad. And I just, it just didn't, you know, it's one of those time bombs that I had in my head. And, uh, and when I was working on the man show with Doug, I told Doug about my thinking on it or whatever. One of the things was from a comic standpoint, it was like, cause this guy used to videotape me before he, I could leave, you know, he'd videotape me in various states of undress or whatever. But I was like, uh, Hey Doug, if, if I was a kid in a uh, child porno and I put that on the internet, could they bust me? I was just thinking if I got a hold of those tapes and I could put myself <laughs> up and like run a Dateline sting, like, hey, did you enjoy that? Well, now I'm 50. <laughs> uh, but uh, so Doug started Googling this guy, and that's what put the thought in my head because, you know, that was like early days of, I don't know if it was Googling, but he started sleuthing the guy and and uh and i think i don't i can't remember if it was doug or uh later i found uh, a way to him through uh a, another name with his last name and anyway i tracked it down but uh but i so i was having a lot of problems with uh post-traumatic at some point it just came back mm -hmm. you know as so you I, would expect it to and i watched some michael jackson ones and 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 it was almost like the same deal is both of these guys became more fucked up in their life when their child grew up or they you know it's like you kind of can pull it together in life when you have all that wreckage and sometimes you can keep it going but i fell apart and uh, i just it, it, i don't know what i know the jerry sandusky trial i started paying attention to that 
And then it just brought me back. And I was just had, you know, I was just crippled with empathy and, you know, like walking depression and crying and, and losing weight. And I knew I needed to do something. And I had been sitting on the information of where my pedophile lived in Florida. And I talked to Doug about, man, I should just go confront this dude. Just go, hey, man, because he said he was going to. One of the jokes was, well, it was a joke, but I also thought he was serious. Uh, the last couple times I went down there, I was getting older. I was like a freshman, and uh, he would ply me with booze or whatever and to get what he wanted and start making promises. And so he's going to buy me a car when I graduated. So I went back. Uh, this was eighth grade, and then I went back. I think it was the end of my freshman year and shut him down. It's like, I was like, like manned up or whatever. <laughs> said, no man, this ain't happening. You ain't touching me there or whatever. And it was real awkward. And then I never got the car. So I was like, man, I'm going to ask him for the car. He said, if I graduated <laughs> from high school and it was just kind of talk or whatever, but man, it got uh, to where I needed to do something. I, I was not able to live my life the way I was living it before and so I decided to to go out, and that that at that time, Sound Nation, Sound something. There was a lawsuit that uh, artists uh, sued Satellite Radio for using their stuff. Anyway, I got a windfall of money. Uh, I didn't know it was coming. All of a sudden, I you know it entered a class action lawsuit. Forgot about it. Uh, I got uh, a check for four grand. So nice. I go over to my pot dealer, Chris Castles, I, who I knew had a camera, <laughs> and I start laying out my alibi. Now, I'm sure in Chris's version, he feels really uh, touched that I opened up to him, but that's exactly what I was doing, is I knew I was going to go out to Florida and fucking uh, go after this dude, and I wanted to start laying out an alibi. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll bring chris out there and then videotape because he the dude videotaped me when i was a kid i thought turnabout is fair play yep and uh and i was telling a friend uh this canadian a friend of mine frank and he thought well fuck that sounds like an interesting thing so he wanted to go i was like all right so now it's like i'm paying chris's way frank's going out i told doug i'm going out to do it and then doug goes when and i told him and he goes all right i'll be there like what? <laughs> and I, so now you got a full team of people right. heading out to meet this and, dude, and yeah. and now I've got the most important part is I've got Doug, who's a part of you know we we one of the things we really enjoyed talking about when we were first hanging out was grifting and shit. So Doug's a you know telemarketing background, so he brought that element of like he you know my plans to get this guy. I was going to call him up. And I had an elaborate plan that was too confusing. And Doug just cut the meat out of it and fucking <laughs> went at it, you know. And then that's what we, we called the guy. Uh, we tricked him into coming out to a public place where I got to to fucking grill him. Uh, and I remember seeing some of this footage. Yeah, you yeah, guys footage, brought it in and, and the, showed us. Yeah, the footage was... Uh, and uh, uh, Anyway, so the footage was about... 11, 12 minutes of me sitting down and we filmed all the stuff around it. We filmed little pieces. We didn't know what we were, you know, we're doing, but mainly I was doing it. I, when I sat down across from the dude, I told him I was making a documentary about our relationship to fuck with him. But that's what ended up happening <laughs> is, uh, Provenza was like uh, kind of interested in it when I told him I was going to do it. 
And he, he suggested taping everything. And then after it happened and I was like, you know, I sent him all this shit and he's like, dude, I think there might be something here, you know, and this was about eight years ago. So Paul's been working on this project on and off when he's inspired. Uh, we interviewed people from my life. I always thought it would be a bigger picture kind of thing that my story would be a framing of a bigger story, but it's kind of the story as, and, uh, and you know, I mean, the people are frustrated, like when's Paul going to do this? But I, I, I feel like it's the timing is the timing. It is, you know, Paul, right. Paul's not, he's not getting paid to do this. He's been working on a, a, a project that sort of seems like, uh, uh, a life story piece of me for eight years. And on top of that, I sidetracked him to uh, direct my comedy special with no <laughs> fucking financing or, you know, no fucking, and no money on the back end or anything. So it's like, you know, uh, he either loves me or hates me uh, at this point. But so, I mean, you know, but I, that thing, you know, was a real emotional thing. And when I went and did it and, and then it kind of seemed like it was going to turn into a project, but I was, I needed years of, uh, away from all of the thinking about it and all that. And, and, and then it seemed like Paul was never going to do anything. And, and then I was frustrated. And then I was like, I don't give a fuck. And then, uh, one time I was there with Paul and, uh, I almost like demanded he quit working on the project and, and he got fucking pissed off I at bet. me. <laughs> He's like, you fucking act like an artist. God damn it. And, uh, uh, you know, but I wanted to know that, you know, I did, I wanted to know that at the end of it, he wasn't going to be upset, disappointed, uh, uh, feel like he should have done something else with his time. I gave him a complete, let's walk away from this shit. And he's like, fuck you, dude. Good. So. I, you know, and, and I, I won't say that if it's still traumatic for you. But no, I, I mean, that's the thing. It, it and what I kind of thought about, maybe this will help somebody else if this happens, but it really helped me because I, I don't think about any of that in the same way I did. If I hadn't gone to Florida, I'd still feel like a preyed upon victim, right. bullied, and instead I turned the tables and made this guy's life uh, definitely cost him a lot in legal fees. And, and made, sleep. Imagine yeah, the and, fucking sleepies losing, just not knowing what's out right, there. Right, and that's the thing too. It's like a perfect <laughs> thing. It's like revenge is a dish best served cold. How about you've known for eight years that there's a documentary exposing you for being a pedophile, and they just can't seem to get it completed. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's all true too, by yeah. the way. But uh, well, dude, I, I can't I, look. I really can't wait to see it because I saw, and I said the same thing to Castles. I saw how exciting it was when you guys first kind of came up with this idea or you first came up with this idea and you started to put it in motion because when we, you know, we, I had first heard about kind of the inception, it was all just kind of a, like you said, just kind of a thought, like you had this idea and then all of a sudden, boom, it kind of came to fruition when mm -hmm. you guys went to Florida. And I remember there being a lot of excitement around that. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was a real adrenaline thing. And then, you know, then I was like, and you know, this isn't, I'm not doing this for a project. I'm not doing this to raise my profile. And then Paul prevents a work. But I, you know, in those early days, I thought, oh, this is crazy, man. The turn, and I thought the turnaround would be like two years. Right. <laughs> uh, fucking eight years gives you time to step away, live your life, maybe die yeah, or whatever. Right. Catch you know, a communicable a disease, you know. You know? Uh, live through a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, none of it is, uh, you know, but none of it's. Uh, but I, I, you know, through whatever uh, uh, luck or uh, circumstance, that was a, a 
a big thing that improved the quality of my life going forward. I, you know, that's awesome. I used to feel like I was like really bipolar and had, you know, but it was just, I just had a lot of fucking, uh, shit that, uh, would get in the way you know i wouldn't say i replayed it all the time but it would be like i'd get frustrated over something i didn't understand why i was getting frustrated and then i would just say fuck you and burn a relationship <laughs> or whatever instead of really like oh i just get real frustrated when people try to pin me down on things because of this or what you know it's like uh, the understanding i've got on the other side of it and shit and and if paul never makes a project out of it uh you know i'm okay with it but paul's you know we're 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 close to it, and I think the comedy special. What I also knew, I could get some other pieces to to uh, Bisbee, uh, uh, i.e., my shifty lawyer that uh, helped me with the Florida. And he's not he's shifty in a good way, uh, uh, but he came out to the taping in Bisbee, and I felt like man. We needed him in the documentary because he was a big part of it. And then there was a a point where. Uh, I heard from my lawyer and he was in an accident and he was in the hospital in a neck collar. And I was like, God damn it. Could we get a camera out there? <laughs> it's like, man, you know, to have a fucking, your lawyer, his nose is busted and he's in a fucking collar and he doesn't address that. <laughs> right. He's not going to tell you why. That's what I, but uh, we didn't get that, but he did come out and, you know, and then it got, you know, just more pieces to it. And I don't know what we need on it, but I know when, when I can get, free and 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 drive to la and stuff you know whatever happens with the special uh, uh i think it, it can't uh, you know it can't hurt the other thing and i think paul's real close to to it and maybe you know maybe if people don't hate the comedy special uh we can get you know that thing finished you sure know, or whatever that's awesome, man. Well, I, I can't wait. Once again, I can't wait to see the special. I can't wait to see the documentary I'll when it finally lobby. happens. I'll be in the lobby going, oh, I hate that guy's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to come back on the show, though, oh, when that yeah. releases, because I want to help you promote it and everything. Um, there was one thing also that I, I wanted to promote that you went all the way back to the beginning of the show. You were talking about Nature Jack. Mm -hmm. You've got those shirts, Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Nature Jack shirts. Uh, yeah, I put... I, I was using it for a poster. This artist, Brett Brock, he does a lot of uh, Stanhope stuff. And uh, he, he's, he's, you know, he's been great. And he's drawn me up so to, to look so much better than myself. Oh, you got but, a great ass in the shirt. Because oh, the, there's, yeah. there's an ass and a set of legs that is Adonis-like. Right. And, it, and, and uh, yeah, we've had, we've had him do some stuff for issues with Andy where we said, just draw us up worse than we look. Because <laughs> he's like, you know... It, it, it is flattering to look at a, a, a artist rendition who just like made you go like that's how fucking fascist gets going. It's like you know, yeah, yeah, no, that's how I look. No, you don't look in a mirror. You're fucking fat. Uh, but so I made these posters and then uh, I uh, made shirts out of them, the Nature Jack, and uh, and I did two versions. There's one where it's just the guy standing there. Uh, he could be peeing, but jacking off, looking at a beautiful landscape. And Brett, would I wanted him to do a different version for the taping. And I know he would redo and put a lot of work into it. I go, 
just burn everything, <laughs> burn it. And uh, so, you know, so the guys, it's the same shirt, only the landscape is burnt. And then, you know, and I was just, I was getting them printed and a, a Milstein uh, shop printed them and uh, they were closed down for uh, a week because of the forest because fires. Because of the forest fires, Yeah, right. so the last shot one is the one that's uh, kind of the con what we're going to uh, do the marketing for the comedy special. But uh, it's kind of uh, this summer in Oregon. <laughs> And with the forest burnt down and shit and uh yeah i mean you know they're comfortable and uh they're environmentally uh, a reminder to uh, instead of breeding and making more problems is take your your toxic fucking self and go jerk off up in the scrub where nobody has to be involved with it and then you don't even have to bother anybody else at all. It's a it's a really great philosophy, Andy. I got to say. I believe say. the Native American Indians did it for years before they had casino rights. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Andy, I got to thank you, dude. Thank you so much. Oh, we're already uh we've already well eclipsed the hour. We uh, cut some of Chris's hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But dude, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a long time since I've actually gotten to talk to you. Um, I uh -huh. haven't seen you perform in even longer, which yeah. bums me out. I want to get back on stage with you. I want to get back uh -huh. to your shows, and I know that as soon as uh, you yeah. know, the world isn't like it is right <laughs> now, we'll be able to do some more of that I shit. Know. But for now, podcasts it is, uh -huh. I guess. You know, I, yeah. I almost feel like uh, uh, eventually uh, comics will invest in like big giant uh, circus tents. <laughs> like the circus can't. You know, take advantage of the circus not being able to make any money. There you go. You can't have animals out there doing shit anymore. Yeah. Might as well be comedians, yeah, right? Yeah, set it up on the outside of town, provide proper distance, you know, bring your own booze and, and pass the hat. Oh, I love it. I mean, that that sounds like, you know, music and shit. Like, I, I, I you know, maybe it's good that uh, some of the old structures are uh, falling down because it's like uh, with new energy and ideas, it's like, you know, maybe it could be a uh, fucking... Uh, you know, a situation where I look forward to going out and doing comedy again as opposed to going, fuck, give me my money. <laughs> yeah, let me sit in my room and talk to four people remotely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on The Man thank Room, you. dude. We will have you again for sure. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for joining us on The Man Room podcast tonight. It's been real. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. And, 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 and,